In this episode, we talk about drugs and addiction. If you or anyone you know is struggling with addiction, please call the Alcohol Drug Information Service on 1800 250 or Narcotics Anonymous Australia on 1300 652 820. Both these hotlines provide confidential support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is a story of addiction, recovery, and so much more. I'm Kate Derouche, and this is Why Do I Feel This Way? Thanks for joining me. Tell me why do I feel this way? Tell me why do I feel this way? All right, we're back. Episode two. Here we go. Why Do I Feel This Way with Kate Derouche? For those listening, who is this random voice? I'm your friend, Claudia. Not random. Very important. <laughs> Very important. Very important. One of your best friends, you might say. Well, yeah, and you're here to help me tell this story that I needed some support in telling. Yeah, and it's an honour. It's an honour. And, you know, last episode we spoke about kind of your upbringing, your school experience, um, the fact that you've never felt quite comfortable in your body. Yep. Um, Veneta, who is a fictional character. I'm convinced she's not real. No, yeah. she's in, she's very real. <laughs> How you went and lived this beautiful woman who kind of you know helped you in your singing journey. You auditioned for Idol twice and get through, not to rub it in. <laughs> the third time you did, and yeah. we left off episode one um, where you've just gotten through to top 25 in Idol. Yeah, what a moment to leave. Mm. Um, so from there, for those of uh, don't know the process of Idol, so it gets to the, the top 25 and that's when the live shows start um, and it's the first time that the fate of your position in this competition is handed over to the general public. What's more confronting, just quickly, three judges right in front of you being like you're shit or you're good or whatever or the whole of Australia voting? Well, I think because like to actually imagine – and I'm not exaggerating where we were in a time then where like reality television was new, right? And it was all exciting and the view, like the ratings were huge and it wasn't just hundreds of thousands or it was millions of people um, back then um, were the ratings for those shows. But it was hard to understand that on the other side of these cameras were millions of people. So I think the judges, um, that it was more confronting to be st- and they still commented, like they may have not been in charge, but their comments were certainly still there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was um there was that uh the last step to to get into the the top twelve and um I sang a song by Stevie Wonder. Can you give us a snippet? Um for once in my life, I have someone who needs me was the song I sang. I someone I needed so long. For once, oh, I love that song. I literally remember you singing that. Yeah, so that was that was the song that I sang, and it, it so it was live on the Sunday. The performances were on the Sunday, and then you had that horrendous twenty four hours of waiting for the results the next night. Um, and I went back on the Monday night, and much to my absolute shock horror, um, I was one of the two that made it through to the to the finals. And that was it. That Top was 12. it, mate. That was you're in. I was in like Flynn. Although, again, like. Uh, and I and I'm and I guess I keep bringing this up, but it's a fairly consistent story and a fairly consistent thing for me through my whole life. Is I still didn't believe, despite the evidence of of a public vote um, and people believing in me and 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 obviously enjoying my performance and enjoying what they heard, I still was like, "There's been a mistake here. 
like I don't belong. And just always doing that comparison of comparing myself, like in that group that I had to sing up against, I would listen to everyone's performance. Like, oh, they're better than me. That one's better than me. Oh, that one did this one. And, and never just, you know, always not feeling like I stood up or, or um, could come close to, to other people. And isn't it funny because you literally had Australia behind you, quite literally voting you, spending 50 cents to vote or whatever it was, voting you in week after week after week, got you all the way through to the end and yet you still didn't have that no. I deserve to be here. No, all the evidence that I could have needed was there but it was still like, no, there's been a mistake or it's luck or or whatever the story was but it was just to me shockingly unbelievable that I was standing there and that continued every week you know mm. what I mean like every week I would front up and I would rock up and it would be that thing of oh well this has been a fun time you know what I mean but this will be my end of this journey and what a wild ride you know and I, I, I in the studio there's all these screaming young girls and there was a you know there was your Lee Hardings and your um your Benning, uh, sorry, Dan Englands and, and all of those people that had these young girls with coloured hair holding signs like, woo, woo, the woo girls. They had yes. their own woo girls. So, I didn't have woo girls. And Lee Harding was it, wasn't oh, he? Oh, mate, he that coloured so hair old. and that makeup, the yeah, eyeliner, it was a thing. Yeah. But that, that wasn't there for me. And so it was just every week just this massive surprise for me to get through. And I and, and you know what? I never got the famous touchdown. I never got a Mark Holden oh. touchdown. Only Ida winner to never get a, much, a Mark Holden touchdown. Is that right? Didn't need one, turns out. Meant nothing. <laughs> was there any kind of spice behind the scenes or was it you're all kind of nice to each other and support nah. each other? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I know, I know I had competition and there was a like, there was a part of me that was like, I've just got to knock out this one and then knock out that one. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody had their own internal competition, but it was just all nice and yeah. sweet and bullshit. You know what I mean? It was all that fluffy, yeah. lovey feeling and everybody was. Um, you know, devastated when the other one left. But the truth is when somebody else left, you're like, oh, thank <laughs> woo, thank God. I love that moment when yeah. it's like when it, like whether it's Big Brother or Idol or whatever and it's always like the person who got through and they like turned to the person who got eliminated. They're like, oh, my God. I'm so sorry. And you're like, no, you ain't. I'm, I'm so sad for you. You're you're like, thank God it wasn't me. We can't talk about Top 12, though, without talking about that night and that comment of course it was never forgotten was mm. it it was a pretty big moment I mean I don't think I I certainly know in the moment that I it wasn't as shocking to me as it was everybody else but you know there was that night I, th I think we were about halfway through it was rock week I think um, and I sang I Want It All by Queen um, and Kyle at, at the end of my performance basically said I didn't really hear any of you singing. You just all I could, you know, cover up those tuck shop lady arms, which was so shocking to everybody. And if you can, you imagine saying that on on national television. I don't think you could today. I, I literally don't think. I think legally that would, that would be no, not allowed. But yeah, you know, it was it was that time where it was okay and encouraged for you. Well, not encouraged, like it was pretty much expected for you to look a certain way. Um, you know, we were living in that time of. Um, where magazines only had those perfect bodies and those skinny women and your Paris Hiltons and 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 that was the look and Kate Moss and it, it was who we were expected to be and anything other than that was it was almost like it just wasn't acceptable. Even as a viewer, like when I heard him say that, and I was ten or eleven, I remember being like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that's that's a shocking comment to make to an eighteen. You were eighteen at the time on national television, but what was going through your head when you heard it? You know, as I said, it. It was much more shocking to everybody else in that moment 
than it was me. Like as a as an adult now, having done the work I've done and having healed and and having to unpack a lot of the traumas um, and shame, like major shame moments that have happened to me over the time, I can see that it was wrong and that it it should have hurt me a lot more than it did. But I guess in that moment, like I'd already been whipping myself about my body for 10 years, you know what I mean? So it was kind of just another moment where it confirmed to me that my body was disgusting and it wasn't acceptable or appropriate to be shown so yeah sadly it didn't affect me the way that it maybe should have on a conscious level anyway I think on a subconscious level it certainly carried with me and funnily enough you will never see me or very rarely will you see me rocking a a sleeveless top um, because of that because of that night like I hate my arms they're one of my um, most unloved parts of my body it was it was not shocking to me that somebody would think my body wasn't wasn't okay but I guess the funny part of that story and the bit that nobody knows is after the show was finished and we were all backstage um you know Kyle came up to me and he said oh, I'm really sorry about that comment but you sang like shit and I didn't want you to get voted off so I just threw that comment out and to get a sympathy vote to get a sympathy vote it's so calculated isn't it like because it, it's so it's I remember because you, you, you told me this before and it was quite shocking because I'm like that in no way came across when he said the comment. It was more like he was just being an ass. Yeah. Well, he gets paid a lot of money to be an ass to an eighteen-year-old, and to think that it was that calculated, where he's like, "Oh, I actually like her. I want to keep her in." And I'm not saying I'm not condoning what he did, but like to try and get your sympathy vote to keep you in because you think he's saying not that great on that night is so like so weird. It's very interesting. Well, I mean, for whatever reason he said it, I guess is irrelevant. I guess the message in that is yeah. like. Got to be really careful what you say about people's bodies. Like, it can it can really scar and damage somebody. And like that, I guess on a subconscious level, like that comment never left me. And all it did was I just put it in my backpack of of you know stories and information and and that you know catalog of of mm. confirmation that I was not okay as I was. Did you forgive him on the night when he apologized? I don't think I was ever angry, which yeah, is wrong in itself. So interesting. You know what I mean? I don't think he, I was ever angry enough to have to forgive him in the first like, place. I'm angry for you right now. Don't be mad. Okay. No. I'll work on that. Don't be mad. If he, if not just him, if anyone said that to you today, do you think your response would be different? Well, that's a really good question. I, I would like to think that I have enough respect for myself and enough love after the work I've done that I would be able to say, hey, don't speak to me like that or anybody for that matter. Um, you know what's interesting? I know that if I heard anybody else speak to anybody else like that, I'd be like, hold the fuck on. Um, yeah. That's not okay. Which is what we were feeling for you. Yeah, isn't Australia that interesting? Australia was feeling that for like, you. I wouldn't let anybody else talk yeah. to anybody like that, you know. But, yeah, I don't know. I would like to think that I would, but would my would that shame and that um, inner child part of me just come up and, and, and want to shrink into a little ball? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and you talk about how you've um, you actually have some great memories with Kyle now. You've kind of you made amends. You you've hung out a couple of times, and you- yeah, look, Kyle on a you know on a people have this preconceived idea that he's just this big mean man, but actually, if you listen to him, he has a huge heart and he really does care. And you know, after the show, and we'll go back to Idol in a minute. I'll just sidestep for a second. I um you know after the show had finished, you know, as you would know from reality television, like. The, it's not about anything other than ratings. So once the show's finished, I didn't hear from the producer. I didn't hear from anyone. You know what I mean? It was finished, see you later, they're on to their next show um, and everybody's moved on. Um, and the only person who touched base with me 
after all of it was after I'd recorded my album Kyle and his manager came to my apartment and sat and listened to my album and checked on my checked on me asked me how I was and listened to my music did he give you any feedback um I can't remember. He didn't say anything mean. Okay, good. He yeah. didn't say anything mean, but like I, I just, I'll never forget that. Like of all the people, yeah. this man in one in one breath who said, "Cover up your tuck shop lady arms," yeah. also was the only one that came and checked on me a couple of weeks after, and 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 took the time out, which he didn't need to do. Took yeah. the time out to come and check on me. Anyway. Um, that was just a little side story that I remember about Kyle. Well, it's interesting. It is interesting because it's like even what you said about him apologising backstage, like it's just not what, what we as viewers saw. No. And, and as a viewer, I wouldn't have thought he was coming over to your house listening to your album either. Like, no. It, it all seemed very shocking and like, oh, he's in the. But it also just shows what that comment meant for him out of his held no weight whatsoever. Mm. Um, but for me it meant a whole different thing. Yeah. So yeah, look, that was that was unfortunately yet another time in my life where all people remember from Idol is that time where they were talking about my body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um people weren't talking about my voice or me as a singer, as Kate as anything else. It was like, you know, Kate's body um yeah. was in the forefront of and everyone's that's, mind. That's a lot for an eighteen year old who already has body insecurities as well. Yeah, but look, and as I, you know, it was that first time, you know, I'd 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 been riddled with enough shame and and hatred for my body over the years on my own and and through other avenues, and then to be shamed on a public level was painful, and 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 I think that I didn't even realize that that was a traumatic event until I got into that part of my life where I needed to heal. And I would tell these stories like I was reading a news article, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it didn't mean anything and took a therapist to actually go, wait a minute, do you realize the magnitude of what was just said to you? And do you realize how painful that is for anybody to hear? Mm -hmm. But a vulnerable young 18-year-old girl, do you actually, can you understand that the weight that that may have held on you um, for years to come? So... Um, yeah. Did it affect how you, because you still had a couple of weeks left in the competition before the grand finale. Did it affect how you got on stage for the weeks to come? Um, look, as I said, I certainly covered up my arms from then on, which is no surprise. But yeah, look, I, I don't remember a lot. Look, I I don't remember a lot of that. And I've spoken about this before. Unfortunately, I lived so much of my life in that high level anxiety and survival mode that I've spoken about that I I think I was just in a disassociated state just surviving and getting through the next moment and 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 once that moment was done like not being able to be present in it and just moving forward to the next one which is one of my biggest regrets and and this comes with me as we'll move forward into the divas and everything else that happened and and all the cool amazing stuff that I got to do you know I never got to really appreciate it the way I would have liked to and and again just to take a sidestep like I think um lots of people have said to me idol would you do it again Mm. um and like my answer is you know they're like oh would you do idol again after everything it did for you and I was like absolutely like what you all don't remember is that I got to go on this incredible journey and do all these amazing things and I got to be that little girl Mm. you know what I mean that little girl who sang you know Mary into a hairbrush I know you did it you yeah. did it. Oh, still do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I got to live all that and it was the experiences after Idol that I got to do as well that like I wouldn't give those back to the world. Yeah. And it's not about blaming and it's it's not about punishing myself for it. But it was what I did with that opportunity that was the problem. 
It was the choices I made and it was the stuff that I didn't deal with and the baggage that I was carrying with me that I, you know, and that's no one's fault. That's not my fault. That's not their fault. That's not anybody's fault. That's just the way it was. And I didn't know that I had all this stuff that I needed to deal with. And had I known and been able to deal with it, would my life look really different? Maybe it would have. And that's one thing I really wanted to clear up. Like, yeah, Idol's got its flaws, like they all do. But I was presented with with incredible opportunity. And you know what? And I'll say this now. And I, I've been, and, and it wasn't just after Idol. I was given many more chances after my first mistakes. You know, I was given other opportunities and second chances and third chances. And I, and it was my own, it was my own life choices that destroyed them. Um, and uh, part of healing which sounds a bit weird, but a part of coming out the other end of all of that has been having to stop and actually take stock and take responsibility for all of that and then work through the shame that goes with it. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful for even though it caused me pain and, and, and all of that stuff, like Idol, Idol gave me an opportunity, you know what I mean? And, and as we move forward through this story, you'll, um, you'll hear and understand that I was given the opportunity and it was my life choices and what I did from there mm. that was more the problem than idol, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's in saying that, so you, the comment happened, we'll move past that now because it's a couple of weeks on the track. You're at the Opera House, the yeah. Sydney Opera House. There's, I would say, thousands of people at the grand finale. Maybe hundreds. Maybe, it well, seemed like thousands. No, there were. Like in, the, in that foreground, like yeah. out the front of, like inside, I don't know how many people the opera house holds, but outside, yeah. like there was a sea of people. It was packed. It was outrageous. And you win the competition. Like literally Australia has voted you the winner of Australian Idol. Like it's massive. Yeah, you know what's really weird as you say that to me? Like I still don't feel, I don't feel much attachment to that. Yeah. I don't have, I feel like I should be How like, that? well, that was the proudest <laughs> moment of my life. But like, I don't, I don't feel attached to that. Maybe it's because of that thing of just not being able to be in the moment and present. But like, at the, you know, Emily and I were there together and we were the underdogs, as I said, you know, nobody, I don't think anybody expected us. I certainly didn't expect me to be there at the end. Um, and the last thing I expected to ever hear in my life was, and the winner is Cape de Rouge. Um, and, you know, that moment that you see on the stage um, of me winning, like that shocked beside myself look is is super real. There's no, sh- there's no show on that. Um, and, you know, just a fun fact, if you ever get a chance, go and watch that footage, but watch the reaction of the judges when they flash to them. You know, oh, really? Like, yeah, go and watch it. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't think anybody expect, including them, you know what I mean? I don't think it was, no, it was a shock to everybody, put it that way. Watch that footage one day. It's an interesting watch. I'm to watch it now. Go and watch this it. for a second. Just pause. No. Go and watch it. So you go, okay, so you've won Idol. You're 18 or 19 at this point. Mm. Um, you talk about how kind of like it was just a whirlwind from there, right? You just yeah. like thrust into the spotlight. You, I would dare say back then you were the biggest Australian celebrity at that time because Idol was so massive and most of Australia had voted for you because obviously you won by majority vote. So you have just legions of fans everywhere. Yeah, and I guess it wasn't until after that, you know, the grand finale happens and the confetti goes off and all the you sing the winning song and it's all amazing. Um, and then this person that you've never really met who you've forgotten that you signed a contract for three months ago actually technically owns you now. And you start this relationship with this person and he was my manager and his name was Dave, uh, David. 
and that was the beginning of the next chapter you know what I mean and that's when things really changed and I don't think anything can prepare you for that that time in your life like from there basically you know the next day you go out and do 75 or however many interviews you're there from like 5 a.m till 8 p.m at night and you're just in interview after interview after interview um and from there it's fast so you've got to learn like in that first week I recorded an album I did a film clip the maybe tonight film clip um I traveled to different states and did you know performances and all of that so you're trying to get used to this whole new world outside that safety of that idol bubble which you are you're safe and you're tucked away and you've got no concept of what's actually happening out in the world but all of a sudden you're walking down the streets of Sydney and there's people yelling at you you know mm. what I mean I there were people yelling at me good and bad there were people who loved me and like yeah okay we love you and they were like you shouldn't have won so it's it, it was super confronting yeah um and super new and and like I still find it hard to believe sort of as you said even if it was for only 10 minutes like I was I was probably for a second there one of one of the most well-known faces in this country 100% this is before streaming it's before like you said, social media wasn't really a thing like really it was just that was our first taste of reality tv yeah. and, and we'd put you on that you know on that grandstand we'd, and we'd we'd crowned you our Australian idol yeah you know you were the people's I was the people's person. <laughs> they chose me, which you is know? still which is still a hard pill for me to swallow. And I think there was actually a story that came out at some point, um, which again just went in my backpack of like, see, you didn't deserve it. It was all a hoax. I think there was actually a story at one point um, in the media where it was suggested that my dad paid half of Bendigo to vote for me. And I was like, see, I told you I didn't mean to win. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, go for Bendigo because we're so huge here in Bendigo. <laughs> we out. We outweigh the rest of Australia. But, like, I believed that shit. So, yeah, look, Idol um, and, and the time after Idol is, is, when it, is when life changed. And I guess, you know, I, um, I was still nursing that high level of insecurity and fear. Like, I was just scared all the time and I mucked up all the time. Like, I didn't know that you had to wear high heels and a full face of makeup to 6 a.m. breakfast radio. No one, to, no one mentioned that to me. You know, I'd rock up in my trackies and a thongs and, and a jumper with my hair in a messy bun and, like, you know. She's I just, relatable. She's a relatable queen. Well, we yeah, it. but they didn't like that back then. They wanted, It wasn't really on brand. Be less relatable. Yeah, be less relatable, more <laughs> yeah. like that magazine says. Um, and it was really confronting and I – was trying to learn but in 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 that time also like I met people mm. um and I guess this is where the juicy part of this story begins you know well I want to talk about your you've had a couple of surgeries and yeah. procedures to your body so I want to know how we got from 18 19 year old stunning gorgeous top of the world Kate on that yeah. stage at the opera house where did the surgeries come from yeah right I f yeah I forgot about that bit um yeah, look, I guess it was it was as we spoke about like it was that time of fat girls didn't get gigs and and I don't think looking back now like I was I certainly I got a lot bigger, you know what I mean? I I certainly wasn't a giant or anything, but I I had a bit of puppy fat and I wasn't I wasn't that stereotypical look. Um and so, you know, my record label and my um management were I, I I floated the idea of um, liposuction and they were very supportive of that. You know what I mean. So I guess I think I want to say 
19, certainly I might have just been 20, I had my first major operation or did my first severely drastic measure to try and have the body that I thought that I needed. So I had full body lipo. Which is a massive thing. If you don't know what lipo is, that's like. Well, they essentially stick a giant probe under your skin and vigors like. Yeah. And suction fat out um, from your body. And it's, um, it's very invasive. And I didn't even really worry about what sort of level. I didn't, I, I wasn't interested in the amount of pain. I'm sure somebody warned me about it, but I was like, I don't care. Just make me thin, mm-hmm. like whatever. Just give me the thin. And I guess I went into that operation thinking that I would come out the other end with all my problems solved because I'd be thin and I'd look a certain way. And that just wasn't the case. You know what I mean? And um, recovery's a lot too. Don't you have to wear like a full, um, what do they call that? Like a a suction suit yeah so you come out the other end feeling like I felt like I'd been hit by a bus and then run over by a train and dropped off by a garbage truck somewhere in the bin like I just I had a lot of incisions or in all I can't remember how many maybe let's say it was about in the 30 mark of just these little holes all over me and I had this full body suction suit because you feel my skin my skin felt separate. It's a hard feeling to describe, but it, I didn't feel like I was a part of my own body, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I was black and like black and blue from head to toe. So, yeah, I was basically from my neck all the way down to my ankles um, and I can still find the scars around. And they removed, I think, about eight litres, mm. maybe more of, of fat. Um, and the recovery to that is is it takes time, you know, but within – a couple of weeks, I think my record label had me back out doing an MTV red carpet and I was – that was about the time when it, it, it's all a bit blurry because there was a lot happening but it was about the time that the Young Divas adventure started as well. Well, I was going to say because I don't remember – and correct me if I'm wrong, I actually don't remember that being common knowledge that you'd had lipo. No, I didn't. At that time. No. And I, I think it was public. No, no, I didn't announce it to anybody. Um, so you kind of – you had the procedure. I guess you were inside for a couple of weeks. You come out you go to a red carpet the young divas kick off and it's like nothing's happened nothing's happened just as you were carry on yeah and look i think it, it did liposuction work i'm sure it did to a degree it had to they removed something um but would i recommend it as a solution to your body problems no did the doctor say like 19 or 20 right you go to the doctor's office you go i want liposuction did anyone say hey you don't need it they might have. Um, I wouldn't have cared though, and I don't. Th- they, I, I, people might have told me whatever. Like I think my mum even before I went in, and and my mum, like I just want to say, like some people might think, how could a mother let a daughter do that or whatever? And and my mum has apologised to me since that time, and all she wanted in that time, and and she was, you know, we were all caught up in that pressure of like having to be this person to have this success. Bless my mum. And I remember, you know, she would have just done whatever she thought that I needed to make me happy. And I, and I believe to my core that being thin was the answer to me being happy. So, yeah, look, recovery, I didn't take the time that I needed. And at, at the end of the day, like I hadn't fixed the problem. I, like I, you can remove the fat, but you can grow that shit back. Mm-hmm. Like I just went back as, you know, and kept eating and kept binging and I hadn't dealt with the core issues of why I was eating in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as every time I've ever done anything extreme with my body, the problem, the core problem wasn't resolved. So, you know, nothing was, not, as they say, nothing changes if nothing changes. Did it make you, given that you had it at such a young age, did it make you kind of come out and go, oh, okay, well, this works, so I'm just going to keep doing this now? Like I'll, I'll keep going to different extremes to, 
you know, get more operations. Well, I think I think extremes was the only thing I knew, and and I did from you know then until many years later, which we'll get to. Like I've done all the extreme shit to lose weight. Um, I've done all the crazy diets. I've done the forty day. Um, there was this Chinese forty day um like fast that all you had was these weird Chinese teas, and on the thirty eighth day you drank like two liters of oil, like it just. The most wild stuff that had been sold That's to me. It was a lot of days, Kate. It was a lot of days. <laughs> I'm just thinking you might all be the surprised days to know that halfway through I ordered a pizza and took you know, no. Anyway, it didn't work. Surprisingly, just made me feel really unwell at the end where you drink all this oil and do an enema. But that's another story for another day. I digress. Uh, back to back to where we were. So from there came the divas, and that was a whole other journey, um, which was absolutely incredible. To be honest, not something that I particularly wanted to be involved in from the beginning. It was offered to me. It was an idea brought to me by my agents, which I was like, mm, yeah, sounds like an amazing idea, but I've got my own thing going on. I don't know if I really want to be a part of it. I want to, I will stop you right there because I want to touch on, you've had the lipo, but you've also, before the divas, you were introduced to drugs, right? Oh, yeah, drugs. Yeah. That's what we're here to talk yeah. about. Because <laughs> I know, just having known you, that by the time the divas came around, you'd already kind of started. Yeah in that kind of habit yeah so look before all and it was all very much around the same time it was all within a 12 month period but not that long after um, I won Idol I was introduced to some people within the industry which were cool you know and they were people um, you know and, and the industry and I don't blame anybody for introducing me to drugs I feel like if it hadn't have been them it would have been somebody else um, but I was yeah introduced to some people and Cocaine was pretty common and I think it still is. Like it's been a minute since I've, I've used drugs or certainly been in those sorts of scenes anyway. But, you know, I was, I was offered some coke and, and, I, and I did. You know, I look back now and I, and I remember even though it, it didn't become an everyday thing from the first time I used, the obsession and the compulsion, not that I realised it at the time, but was there from, from the get-go, you know what I mean? And I feel like all those all those worlds aligned at the same time and I'd found this thing that, that gave me somewhat of a solution to all of these horrendous things that I'd been carrying around with me, you know, that in, those insecurities, you know, not feeling like I belong, not feeling like I was cool, inhibitions and all of that stuff that I battled every day. All of a sudden I had this magical thing that I thought was the answer and I do. I remember that night just not having one or two, like having line after line after line after line. And or and just being asphyxiated on where that where it was and when when the next one was going to be offered and was the bag nearly empty and when the bag nearly was empty feeling that that anxiety that like well, well where's where's the next one yeah and that feeling is something that grew and and obviously as my addiction progressed but yeah I, I do remember um, being introduced to that pretty vividly. So by the time Divas came around, you'd already kind of had some big milestones. You know, we talked about lipo, you've, you started taking drugs a bit more regularly. You're saying it's more of a party thing at this stage, but still quite regular. Yeah. And then Young Divas comes yeah. along. And do the other girls know kind of what was going on behind the scenes with you? Um, no, I kept it pretty quiet. I mean, we were all on our own missions and it was a busy time and, and those girls – and not like they, they knew how to have fun themselves. And 
Um, not and I'm, just let me clear that up. I'm not saying they took drugs. No one took drugs. I'm not saying anybody took drugs. It, it like that. <laughs> no, okay. no, let me just clear that up. No. Okay. Um, but you know, they knew how to have a party and they knew how to have a drink and yep. and and have their own fun. But I I would I didn't get involved in that. You know what I mean? I would. I would get separate and go and go home and, and do what I did behind closed doors. And and yes, drugs weren't an everyday thing for me at that point. But if I wasn't using them, I was thinking about the next time I was going to use them. And it was just coke at this point. Yeah, coke and some and 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 I say that and I don't say that flippantly. Like no. all drugs are bad and no drugs are better than one another. And I don't recommend anybody take drugs. Let's also get that really yeah. clear. Um, but yeah, they were, I guess, somewhat of a more acceptable drug. You know, that I was it was cocaine and the occasional pill at that point yeah but yeah look the young divas was a was a whole other time and and we did amazing things you guys blew up yeah that this time i know oh, i still love that song go on hit me with this that. time yes. I'm crazy. you know what i'm saying <laughs> i should have been where in were group. you i know jessica malboy what pull me out of year six get me on that stage with them you know what i'm saying no i loved you guys that was you were a fun group that was a fun group it was fun and it was exciting and like at the end of the day you had these four girls that all within their own right could sing Mm -hmm. not that i believed that but you know everybody wait you didn't believe that you could or that they could no that i (laughs) could try no no not at all like i you know i guess bringing it back on a more serious note like everybody knows the young divas were as amazing and i feel like there's a whole episode we could do about the young divas and what happened behind the scenes um there it was pretty wild as you can imagine with four girls you're just um, four young divas just though. four you know divas I mean? living their lives their things all with their own agendas and, yeah. and and all of that kind of stuff but again for a girl who didn't really have the ability to back herself hated the way she looked felt insecure about her body you know that was a really toxic space for me. Well, we talk like even putting yourself on a national stage as idol when you already feel uncomfortable in your body, you're already insecure. And I actually think it's quite brave for you to put yourself out there like that. And then on top of that, you put yourself in a group of four girls where you're all stunning. But I imagine there'd be some natural competition when you put four girls together in any setting. Yeah, absolutely. And then you put, especially in the media. All of that stuff. And look, I wasn't the sample size that we discussed. So photo shoots were really stressful for me. I would go to these photo shoots and the girls would fit into whatever they were going to fit into. And the only thing I fucking fit into was the shoes. You know Mm. what I mean? So it was hard. And, but I I guess the sad part for me again, and it's taken me a long time to be able to get to a point, to be able to say that I'm a talented singer within my own right. Those girls were really good at high notes and big runs and big tricks and big licks and that's not the sort of singer I am and I compared myself to that and again it just it it set me up for that thing of like I don't belong here I'm not good enough I don't I don't belong I think you with these girls were you the only one of the four that had won though (laughs) do you know what I mean (laughs) like yeah (laughs) do you know what I mean in my head I'm like but you're the winner and yeah well well I don't know. And I'm not not because they're all like brilliant things, like you said, but it's so funny that you had one idol and you still felt like I don't belong here. You know? Evidence, see? Yes. <laughs> Fact check. Um, and, you know, again, I, I, in recovery, that's one thing I've had to learn to do is like, check like I go actually go out and fact check the story that I tell myself now wait a minute here's the story that I tell myself however let's have a look at the evidence and let's like read let's fact check that story Kate yeah. but we'll talk about that later tell me about how the young divas how we finished and how things escalated once the young divas had kind of dissipated yeah look from here 
Like I feel like, the, as I said, the Young Divas is a whole conversation we could have, but we're here to tell a story about how I ended up where I ended up. And and when the Young Divas finished, you know, it was it just ended due to circumstances. And you know, by the point where it came to the end, there was a lot of um, questionable things that happened on a management level, and there was money that went missing, and there were like the the trust had gone, and there were certain members that just didn't want to recommit for a third round. Mm. Um, and by that point, like my drug use had really picked up and I was using a lot more and, and that scale of like being able to be this celebrity um, face in a public space and being able to use drugs the way that I was using, the scale was starting to tip the other way. And I, I guess when the Divas finished, there was this downtime why everybody regrouped um, as to what was going to happen next. Mm. Um, and you know, um, yeah, and 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 look, what happens from here? Uh, just to just like it, it gets really messy and it gets really ugly, and I, I have a lot of blurry moments, and I have a lot of stuff that I don't really understand, and I've got a million using stories, and I've got a million horror stories, and I've got a million stories about how I fucked up another opportunity and another job. Uh, but if I went through all of them, we'd be here for a really long time. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stick with the parts that were pivotal moments that changed the course of my life, I think, like on a fundamental level. Yeah. And look, through that divas, after that happened, I, I found a drug that really changed my brain chemistry, I think, and, and did some permanent damage to my brain. And, and, and we'll get to ice and meth down the way, but, you know, that was just the drug that brought me to my knees. But it was from this moment when I got introduced to nitrous oxide which is a funny drug, but when I got introduced to that, that was when I started to use in a way that was obsessive and compulsive and I and the powerlessness within me to control and stop changed and that was when that scale tipped of like there was there, there stopped becoming a choice and it stopped becoming a conscious choice too. Like it was just, you know, the day would end and I would go to bed and I would swear to myself black and blue that I wasn't going to use the next day and I meant it and I meant it with every inch of my being when I said it but I would wake up the next morning and before my eyes could even fully open my brain was already planning how I was going to use so nitrous is a is a a drug that I had told myself this really cool story about because you could get it at the dentist and and you use it during labor um, and birth that it was somewhat safe Um, but the way you use it um, in a recreational sense, I guess is is certainly not safe. And I, it's it, it's a it's a quick high, and it happens every you know it's probably only lasts for thirty seconds, but it became like an extension of me, and I it was like oxygen, literally oxygen. And but as soon as it wore off, that that level of fear and anxiety and um, just that drive and need to do it again. Um, to remove the fear and anxiety was just a next level and something that I hadn't really experienced before. Yeah, it really took over my life, like, yeah, on a new level. Can I ask, it might be a silly question, but when you kind of escalated to the nitrous, mm. does Coke then just take a back seat? It's like it's on to the next. Yeah, it did. And, and yeah. you know what, that was really common in all of the drugs and as my um, addiction progressed and moved or my – you know, where I was in my life or what was available to me, whatever, it was just like I would just put one down and pick the next one up. And, and, and you know, when I found nitrous, it was like 
cocaine wasn't doing the job anymore. It wasn't it wasn't able to cover up or, or it, the solution that I thought that I'd found in cocaine was no longer the solution and the solution was now in the next drug. Yeah, because you almost see a pattern like you talk about the binging as a kid. Yeah. And then you pick up smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And then we pick up coke and you can see almost this p- pattern of like a stronger substance every time coming and, you know, and we'll talk – you know, obviously about where we end up and it was with meth really, but you can see how these steps got you there Yeah. in terms of, okay, I've had the Coke isn't working like it used to work or it's not giving me the same high, like what's the next thing? Yeah. And so the nitrous, at the time you were taking the nitrous, you were in a relationship. I was, yeah. Um, so through this time, um, through that whole time I had been in a really um, – my first serious relationship as an adult with a really beautiful human whose name for his own, I have a lot of respect and a lot of love for him and his family and I, um, well, let's call him Johnny. I had been in a relationship with this person through the whole Divas um, and he had he'd seen that whole thing for me and he'd been there and he, look, he, he loved me way more than he probably should have um, and I wanted to love him back the same way but I just I was just being eaten and and taken um by this drug addiction you know what I mean and and it got to the point with with him where he um you know he would get up and this is where that crazy powerlessness took over like he would get up and go to work um and I would be out just running amok you know what I mean I'd be using and, and grabbing at whatever I could and then it would come time in the day where he would be coming home and I would just feel sick. And there was there was this two parts of me. There was this part of me that desperately wanted to be able to be home and be in this beautiful relationship and be the, the partner that he so desperately wanted me to be and fought for me to be. And then there was just this powerless drug addiction that was that had taken over me like a weed. I, I guess that that's really hard for a lot of people to understand and most people would be like, well, just stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you really wanted to, you would just stop. Um, but I guess if I can relate it back to, to something on a much smaller scale, like how many times have you been scrolling on TikTok and go, I'll just sit here for five more minutes and suddenly you're there and it's two hours later and yeah. you've missed and you've avoided doing all of these jobs that you wanted to do and, you'd, and you haven't done the dishes or done your washing and all of a sudden the day's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know that's a really small yeah, comparison. It. but And he wasn't using at all. Like he wasn't in that with you. Um, no, nah, look, when it got, when, it, when there was a, when he realized there was a problem and it wasn't fun, he, he wasn't in it with me yeah. um, at all. And he just wanted me, you know, to stop. He desperately wanted me to stop. Mm. Yeah. And so what, what happened after that? What's next? So, yeah, as I said, like over that, and it's a really blurry times, so I think from when the divas ended, um, you know, I think it, it you know, a lot happened and as I said, there was a, a lot of second chances on a career level that I couldn't, you know, I, I'd, I'd rally and try and get my shit together to go and re-kickstart my career while the other girls were already on their journeys to their new careers, which has been really hard to watch, you know, over mm-hmm. the years. It's been really hard to watch those girls have their successes and do what they've done and know that my life choices in that moment stopped me from having the same success. But, yes, from there it was – um it was about three years and, 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 you know, I would, and I think I was about the only person, one of the very few people that could use drugs and, and put on weight at that point. But I, um, 
I tried to stop a lot of times and had little success and I and I was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and and putting on more and more weight which which was propelling me to use more and more and more because I hated myself and those just that hatred for myself was growing so much and my using got out of control and not through lack of Johnny trying or me trying like it it just I just couldn't and um it got to the point where my mum and dad came to Sydney yeah they came they came to Sydney and they they just had to say they just had to say to him that it's enough you know what I mean you've done all you can do and and thank you for trying to love her but you've got to let her go it's really weird having your parents break up with your partner for you but yeah he um and they dragged me back to Bendigo did he did you feel like in that moment he knew he had to let go I think he knew he had to let go a lot before that, but he he just, as I said, he was a pretty special human. Have you spoken to him since? Yeah, look, not a lot. Um, he not to me personally, but he would check on in on me from time to time. Um, with my mum and dad, he would check in on me, and he still wishes my brother and sister happy birthday every year. I think he's, but you know what, he's he's gone on to find the love that he deserved and and that he always needed and 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 certainly deserved and he's got his own family and he's he's exactly where he should be well we're going to wrap it up there for this episode and next episode we're going to really talk about the headlines and the court cases and it's it's going to be a challenging episode but we're going to get through it and then the other side of that is the recovery so we'll get to the good stuff because there is good stuff there is good stuff coming it's going to get um you know a bit messier before we get there but it's it's all part of the story thank you tell me why now i feel this way tell me why now i feel this way